All right. So I think everybody in the class sounds like you guys have all been able to get a copy of this printout. Um, if you're at home and uh, if you can, I, there, there was a, an email yeah. sent out with this PDF. Uh, of course, that would uh, then you'd have to send it to a printer and get it printed if you're going to uh, use it the way we're intending on this morning. But if you don't worry about that. If anyone's listening to this audio afterwards, it's not going to be of a lot of help to you either. Um, so this is a fairly interactive uh, class this morning, um, but the content should still communicate through through our audio. So um, uh, I'm, I'm going to start by by reading our verses for this uh, for this morning. Now this week and next week are are both uh, focused on on the same verses, James five thirteen through eighteen. And I, I considered splitting it up and doing three this week and three next week. Um, but what we're actually going to end up doing is is kind of doing a, a large contextual study this week. And then next week, we're going to hit all those verses um, at once. It's kind of the, the plan here. So let me read, though, starting in, in James 5, verse 13. Uh, he says, and I'm just reading this from the NASB uh, as, as they've translated it. We'll deal with... Um, Translation issues later, but is there any, is there anyone among you suffering? Then he must pray. Is anyone cheerful? He is to sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. Therefore, Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. Then he prayed again, and the sky poured rain, and the earth produced its fruit. So, I I don't know about you, but uh, depending perhaps on your background, um, the question that comes to mind right away is to me is this. Is James teaching charismatic faith healing? Is that what this is about? <laughs> I hear some chuckles. So, you know, um, but, you know, I, I I know people. I know a lot of people yeah. who take this very, uh, what would, you just take those verses on their own out of context and the way they've typically been translated um, it, it, it sounds an awful lot like um, what uh, what our charismatic folks uh, engage in. So, I think it's important to understand that that um, that patient, careful study under the guidance of the Holy Spirit is is necessary to to arrive at the truth. Um, we need to be careful not to make hasty interpretations of the of the English translation. Um, so. Context is is really key. You know, I, I'm still learning that you know certain words communicate different things in different contexts. Um, just a, an illustration that came to mind is um, one difference, one Canadian American difference. If I told you, for instance, that Alberta was a blue province, um, but you'd, <laughs> you'd have to know, you'd have to understand that in Canada, our our political colors are exactly opposite. Of what you guys think in the states, I, I, I have no idea why. Now we actually don't really use the phraseology that way. We wouldn't really hear someone say Alberta is a blue province, but our conservative party colors are are blue. So uh, and our and our liberal and, and left wing parties are, are red. 
uh, red or orange, that, that color scheme. So, um, so you have to, uh, you have to understand that, that bit of context to get the meaning out of what I'm saying. And you could be really confused. You, in fact, you could be exactly wrong. You could be exactly backwards if you don't understand the context. So, um, similarly, uh, I think with the word anointing, um, it typically carries a, a certain connotation in our minds. Um, you know, for me, it, it carries some of that charismatic Christian kind of element, um, or, or our mind might jump to some of the Old Testament uses of anointing. Um, but we, we're starting almost automatically to think about religious ritual right away. And, and that's not necessarily the way it's being used here. We're going to talk about that next week, though. Um, but another word that shows up in the verses is the word sick. Um, and, and, and when we see this word, we immediately jump to the context of physical sickness. At least I do. I don't know if anyone doesn't. But um, However, the, the, the Greek word behind the word sick, um, both, both times it shows up there, um, uh, both have alternate tra- translations um, from the Greek. Uh, in fact, probably other more more um, primary translations than than physical sickness. Um, so, you know, in in Bible study, we often focus, especially as we're doing this verse by verse exegesis. You know, we tend to focus on on detailed uh, study of words and grammar in a particular verse, and and that's very important, um, very very important. But the most important thing for determining how a word should be interpreted is to examine the context that it's in. Um, you, you really have to know the context. I mean, you could take apart my statement that Alberta is a blue province, and you could talk about what a province is. You could talk about what a what blue is and, and, and all these things. But if you don't know the context, um, you, you're getting the wrong meaning. So so both grammar and context must be considered. So um, we're going to deal with those those two words I brought up and, and other specifics next week. But this morning, we're going to really spend our time examining context so um so as, as i kind of introduced we're going to try to do something a little bit different this is a bit of a variation on something that uh charlie clough uh taught maybe others have taught this over the years um to take your bible uh photocopy the passage that you're working on uh, this was all really new technology when charlie was talking about this probably um and and then carry that with you and and you can mark it up all you want you don't have to be worried about damaging it and um and you can make all your observations, make all kinds of marginal notes and, and so forth. So what I've done this morning is I've made a digital copy of the book of James, and um, which, as I said, is probably a copyright violation, but we're going to do it. And um, and I've, I've, what I've done is I've started to do this often when I'm studying a book. Uh, I take it, put it into two columns I find really readable. It's kind of like the way, way most of our Bibles are set up. Double-spaced it and put wide margins on it so that you can there's lots of room for um, for p- writing notes and, 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 and connecting things in the margin. Um, and what's, what's actually surprising is that when, when I go from, you know, my, my typical study Bible and I, and I move into a, a, um, a format like this and it just strip away all of the footnotes and all of the marginal notes and all of the cross references and everything. Um, I realized it, it's not a massive amount of material. Um, you know, you can this this all fits on three pages, double spaced with wide margins. So the entire epistle uh, of James is is not a huge amount of material if we just were to take it and and just you know read through start to finish. Um, 
you can actually do that relatively quickly if, if we don't get bogged down in, in details. But anyway, what we're going to do this morning is we're going to work through this together. Hopefully you've got something to write with and we're going to, we're going to put some marks in the text. Um, so, um, I'm going to kind of work through, uh, I've got a, some questions here to kind of stimulate our, our discovery. Uh, the first question that I want to talk about, and as we do this with contextual study, we want to start kind of broad and, and, and start to narrow in. But some of these, so some of these questions are probably really obvious, but worth noting. Um, so in, in relation to this entire letter, where are we now? In the beginning, middle, end? Near the end. This is, this is almost the very end. There's two verses after this, right? So, so that is, that's important to note. Um, because there's kind of a follow-up question to that, um, would be this. Would it be normal for an author to, to veer away from, from his theme at the la- in the last paragraph of, of his letter? No. That, that, that would be, that would be pretty unusual, wouldn't it? If we just change topics, um, at, at the very end. Um, it would be, at, at best, you could say maybe poor, poor writing. Um, but, um, but what we're going to see here is that there's actually a remarkable symmetry. Maybe it shouldn't be so remarkable, but, it, but it's very clear when we study it. There's a real symmetry between the beginning and the end of, of James. Um, so James has actually held very consistent to his theme throughout the letter. Um, so another question is, uh, what is the theme that James established at the beginning of this letter? What was the theme? The theme. Well, yeah. What, what would what would you if you just put it in one word? What what is James' theme? Trial. 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 Okay. Perfect. Exactly. So James has a, a theme of a trial. So let's flesh that out a little bit. Um, what specifically about trials? Let's turn to James chapter one verse two. So if you turn to the first page on that printout, or if you're just in your own personal uh-huh. Bible, look at. James one verse two. We'll do it together. And and right out of the gate, um, th- remember this is the first written book of the New Testament. Um, so this is the second verse. Of course, it didn't have verse descri- uh, um, divisions, but but in the second verse, written verse of the New right. Testament, um, we have this. I think a shocking message. He says, "Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials." Why don't you underline that phrase? So underline that in verse 2. Consider it all joy, my brethren, whenever you encounter various trials. So so why why would James be writing on this theme in the first place? Um, as, as I said, sorry, was someone commenting? I didn't mean to interrupt. Okay, as I said, James is, is probably the earliest New Testament book written, 45 to 50 AD. Um, so... What was, why was it so important to communicate to the early church about suffering? Well, they were going through it. They were going through it, yeah. Yeah, it was very, very real for them, yeah. Wasn't this when Nero was, uh, persecuting the Christians and killing him? Um, what are Nero's dates? Uh, I think Nero came a little bit later than, than when this was written, but, but there was definitely persecution from, uh, from the Jewish, um, element of, of the, the, the Jewish society uh, against, because, because remember, these are mostly Jewish believers and, and they have, uh, you know, now become Christians while they're like, you know, actually at this time, um, Paul, I'd have to look at the dates on that, but, but, you know, think, think of Paul in the very early church. He, he was the persecutor of the church. 
Um, and, and of course, many others. But and the Pharisees, boy, they they really didn't like this this Christian sect. You know, they, it was really cutting them into their profits. You know, their, their sort of for bit. sure and their popularity. Yeah, yeah. Now, Miles, I think you're right. I think a, a lot of the persecution came from within the Jewish community itself. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think you're right, bro. Yeah. Yeah. Thirty-seven, sixty-eight. So. Now, one of the other reasons that I think it's so important for James to bring this up is because this is largely a Jewish audience in the early church. And remember that in the Old Testament, suffering was generally the result of disobedience to God's commands. If you obey me, I will bless you. If you disobey me, I will curse you. Now, all of a sudden, these former Jews are finding themselves dead to that law. And, and the Lord's trying to get them adjusted to this radical new reality where suffering is not necessarily the result of something wrong that we did. You know, um, in fact, trials are, are used by God to carry out, uh, his, his growth work in the church. Um, therefore, suffering is, we could say, the norm for the church. Um, and, and I think the church today really needs to learn this lesson. We still need to learn what James is teaching that the trials are for our good, not our harm. And uh, and we'll look at the way James describes that through the letter. So so a little bit of context. Now, um, we're going to start marking up a little bit more here as we go. What does James tell us that God desires for us when we are under trial? Is God's desire that we collapse? Um, look at, uh, look at uh, verses 3 and 4 of chapter 1. So just below that. And... Um, and James says, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So circle the word endurance in, in both of those instances, in verse 3 and verse 4. Circle the word endurance. Um, now jump down to verse 12. This is going to be pretty, we're not, stop, we're not stopping to, we're just going to have to really jump through and, 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 and pull out these key points. Um, jump down to verse 12. Um, of chapter one. And in verse 12, uh, James says, blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. For once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. So circle the word perseveres in, uh, in verse 12. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. Now I want you to draw an arrow, uh, probably in your left margin, connecting the word perseveres, um, uh, to endurance in, in verse four. So just connect those two, those two words there. Um, and, and then somewhere on that line, jot in the word, um, if you can, can, do, well, we'll just do it English transliteration, uh, H-Y-P-O-M-O-N-E. Hupomone. Hupomone. Okay. So in verses three and four, we have the noun form of hupomone, and in verse 12, we have the, a verb form. It's the same, same root word. Okay, so we want to have those, those ideas connected there in our thinking. So James is, is teaching that the Lord desires for us to bear up under trials, to endure or persevere, not, not to collapse. Now, there, there is a, a purpose, um, in that. So what is the result that James has in mind? I want you to, uh, underline in verse four, uh, where it starts with so that, okay? So that you may be perfect and complete. 
Okay, so there's there's purpose there. And if you jump down now to verse 12, um, underline the words, uh, blessed is the man who who perseveres. So we see the blessing um, is in view. And, and then uh, towards the end, um, he will receive the crown of life. He will receive the crown of life. Now, we're not stopping to talk about details in terms of what that is. We've been over these verses already. Um, but what we want to be clear on is that there is a positive outcome in view. So, um, so, so is that is that can we can we kind of get that thematic element that there's a there's something positive in view to our trials? Yep. Yes. Yep. All right. My, Miles, it reminds us of Paul's uh, scripture to the extent that trials lead to patience, right? And yes, patience is ultimately the catalyst that makes us more perfect, if you will, wanting nothing. I mean, it, yeah. the whole stepwise approach. But, you know, James, I don't think, was steeped in identification truth. I mean, that's what really Paul's teaching, is it not? Mm-hmm. I mean, so, it, it, I mean, the Jew there was living under tremendous trial in his own new faith in Christianity. And so, I mean, th- this is hard to take take into consideration when you're using the flesh to to respond to these truths. So anyway, just some That's right. Yeah, very, very good, Bob. I'm I'm, I'm glad you brought up the word patience, Um, and we're going to see that connection at the end of the book here. And and you're right. This is, I mean, this is the first first written material to the church, Um, and it was Paul who was commissioned to, to teach about our identification. You know, what James understood of that? You know, um, it may have been quite limited, um, but the principles at play here are remarkably consistent. Well, again, should it be remarkable? No, the Holy Spirit has um, has orchestrated, uh, is made kept consistent. So, at the top of page one, I want to write in a, a kind of a tentative thematic statement. Remember, this is why we I, I do this where we print this out. You can, if you change your mind on the theme later, you can cross this out and and, and change it later. But at the top of page one. Write this, patient endurance through trials. I'm trying, I'm trying to do it myself so I don't race too far ahead of you. Patient endurance through trials by faith produces worthwhile results. Worthwhile results in the life of the believer. So patient endurance through trials by faith. I tried to keep it as simple as I could. To, patient endurance through trials by faith produces worthwhile results in the life of the believer. That's what I'm kind of putting at, at, at the top as a banner in terms of theory, but or, sorry, theme. Um, but let's uh, let's flip now to to James chapter five to see that James is closing his letter, um, coming. I don't know if I should say coming background to the same theme because he's really stayed consistent with it throughout the letter. Um, now, this may seem like a very long way around to get to our, our verses, um, but in order to get a proper handle, I think, on, on chapter 5, 13 through 18, it's, it's critical to see that James is still working on the same theme. So look at in chapter 5, uh, look at uh, verse 7, chapter 5, verse 7. So that's on your last page if you've got the handout. Uh, top right kind of corner there. Uh, Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. So there's our word patient. I want you to circle the word patient in there. And and that word is uh, macro 
thumeo. Um, and we've dealt with that in past studies. But that's our word patient. Now, the basic concept behind that word, if we were to do a word studies, is, is very similar to endurance or perseverance from chapter one. So continue reading in, in five seven. Um, the next sentence, the farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil being patient about it. So again, uh, circle the word patient there. The, uh, the being patient about the, the uh, waiting for the produce. So notice that the farmer is, is waiting for something. There's a result in view. And, and notice that James is clear that this is a positive result. What word does he, um, use to describe the produce? It's not just produce. It's, it's precious produce. Uh, underline, underline the words precious produce there. Okay. Um, and, and if you want, write in the margin that there, that that is, uh, signifies a positive result. Okay. So there's a positive result to this patience. Now, uh, look at verse eight. Uh, you too. Uh, the word two is the Greek word chi, uh, and, uh, that could be and. So and you, or you too. Um, in other words, like, just like the farmer, be patient. Um, circle the word patient there again. Okay. What happens as we do this kind of a, this, um, thing, we're, we're circling these connected words. All of a sudden you start to see the, the consistency throughout the message. Um, I'm a very, very visual learner. So I don't know if this helps you, but this really helps me. So, um, now it said, now he says, uh, you too be patient. Strengthen your hearts. Circle the word strengthen there. Okay. Now, um, look down at verse 14, chapter 5, verse 14, where he says, is anyone among you sick? Circle the word sick. Now, this is going to seem a little strange, but I want you to draw a line from the word strengthen down your right-hand margin, probably the best way it wrote, and connect it to the word sick. Well, why would we do that? Okay. Because... That is the same word, essentially. That's the same root word. Okay. Um, now, the they both come from the same root uh, for strength, um, except that the word sick has a prefix, the uh, negation, ah, uh, that mm. makes it without strength. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, this, so there's actually a very important connection there. Yeah. Um, now, why... Do we strengthen our hearts? Okay, the word for says strengthen your hearts for. That's the Greek word hati, which gives a reason. So there's a reason that we strengthen our hearts. Uh, for the coming of the Lord is near. Now, does that remind you of uh, the crown of life from from chapter one, verse twelve? If that, if you think that reminds you of, of that, just just jot beside that line uh, one one twelve. Coming of the Lord is near. Uh, and, and that may be related to the crown of life. Now, um, just like a farmer who's waiting patiently for the precious produce of the soil, um, we as believers uh, are to be patiently waiting for the precious results of our trials. Okay, that's a that to me is a, a, something that I'm going to pull out of what I'm seeing here in in, in context. Now, look at verses ten and eleven. Okay, uh, of chapter five. Starting in verse 10, we're going to come back to verse 9, actually. But verse 10 says, As an example, brethren, of suffering and patience, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We count those blessed who endured. You have heard of the endurance of Job. 
So circle the word patience again in, in verse 10. You're beginning to see how repetitive this, this is here. Um, and uh, also uh, you can circle the word suffering as, as well um, as an example of suffering uh, and patience. Um, and then look down in verse 13. Um, where James says, is anyone among you suffering? So you could circle that word suffering and then connect those words in your, in your right-hand margin. Suffering from verse 10 down to suffering in verse 13. So we want to see that when we jump into studying verse 13, this all has connections to what he's, he's been saying. Um, that is the exact same Greek word there, suffering and suffering, same word. So go back to verse 11. Um, and uh, circle the word endurance in, or in, uh, let's see here, uh, endured and endurance in, in verse 11. So circle both those occurrences, endured and endurance. Okay, and here it's referring to Job. Um, but we see, we see very clearly in verses 10 and 11 that James connects the word patience with endurance. So we saw uh, endurance in, in chapter 1 of James. And, and Bob noted the, the concept of patience. And here we see that uh, James very much connects patience with, with endurance. So um, you might uh, you might jot down uh, chapter 1, verse 3 in the margin beside beside 5, verse 11, um, that there's a, there's a connection with, with chapter 1, verse 3. Okay. Now, I know we're, I know we're just cruising through here and, and just seeing so many different things. I hope... That you're not too swamped. I knew this was going to be a uh, a, a real um, exercise, um, but there's a lot of material to cover. So I, I hopefully next week is a little more discussional, and we can. Um, but if you've got a comment, and I just try to barge in in here, I, I'm I'm not uh, <laughs> slowing down much. You're miles, you're doing, you're doing fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll take a sip of coffee if you have to make a comment. No, that's great. That's great. Okay. You, All right. You know, I also yeah. just share personally, I, in, in my flesh, I'm a very impatient person. And Mar- <laughs> Margaret could testify in respect of me repeatedly. Yeah. So, Sorry. you know, I mean, so, you know, people go through lots of things we all have throughout our lives, but, yeah. you know, I, I'm finding this, uh, that only the positional truth gives me strength <laughs> to think about that this, these trials and tribulations are not there to change my flesh. Yeah. But to yeah. create in me this new life I have in Christ Jesus. Very and, good. And yes. that's, that's a lesson I learn every day multiple times right now. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Thanks. Well, I thought when you said you, you have a struggle with patience, I, I thought you were going to say you, you want me to get to the point already. But <laughs> <laughs> No, but we could talk privately later if you want. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, just, to, just teasing you. <laughs> no, that's great. I, I, you're right. That's, that's exactly as we focus on this idea of patience here, it can be so our flesh can jump right away to um, I, this is something I've got to do. You know, this is something I've got to work at. I think we're going to see by the end of even today's lesson that this is not something that we we produce. Right. Um, patience is his his fruit. It's the fruit of his life, not ours. So. Um, so let's look at the, uh, the last part of uh, verse 11. If I'm still in my right place here in the last part of verse 11. James says, um, and have seen 
we're kind of jumping in mid-sentence, and have seen the outcome of the Lord's dealings, that the Lord is full of compassion and merciful. Underline that phrase, the Lord uh, is is full of compassion and merciful. Okay, the Lord is full of compassion and merciful. That's describing uh, something of the of the character of God. Now, um, this is in the context of Job. And, and the Lord had a very compassionate and merciful result in mind for his servant Job. Okay, so it, it seems pretty clear that James um, still has the same theme in mind, patient endurance um, uh, and, through, through trials by faith um, produces uh, positive or, or wonderful results. Now, um, I don't think, uh, like we said, God does not bring us into trials in order for us to fail. He intends for our trials to produce a rich harvest, if we tie in that, that farmer metaphor. Now, look at uh, 5, verse 15, okay? In chapter 5, verse 15, where it, where it says, the Lord will raise him up, okay? Find the phrase, the Lord will raise him up, okay? And uh, draw an arrow that connects this with 5.11. The Lord is full of compassion and merciful. Okay? So the fact that the Lord is full of compassion and merciful uh, may have a connection to the fact that the Lord will raise him up. We'll come back to that, though. Let's uh, now um, deal with uh, with James' repetitive comments about judgment. So look at chapter 5, verse 9. We're coming back to verse 9 now. We kind of skipped over it, but... Um, uh, in 5 verse 9, underline the words, do not complain. Okay? Do not complain. And then underline, so that you may not be judged. You yourselves may not be judged. So uh, underline that, so that you yourselves may not be judged. What we're doing there is we're kind of just skipping over that um, sort of the uh, added information of the brethren against one another. So we're, we can, you can read that as, a, as one thought. Do not complain, so that you yourselves may not be judged. Okay. Um, put a box around the word so that uh, in that phrase. Put the box around there um, and circle the word judged. Okay, because we're going to focus now on the word judged. So now look down at at verse twelve and uh, in chapter five, verse twelve, uh, underline the words uh, "do not swear." Do not swear, and then underline the words so that you may not fall under judgment. So that's that's down quite a ways, and he's got some other uh, comments in between there in this in this structure. But the the basic core of that sentence is do not swear, so that you may not fall under judgment. So put a box around the words so that, um, and then again circle the word judgment. And now you can see that that is very parallel in core thought to verse 9, okay? Um, so I want you to connect verse 9 uh, with verse 12, and we'll do that on the on the left side in the center margin there. So between verse 9, just draw a line down and connect that in with uh, verse 12, just to see that those are connected thoughts. Now, now look at... 4 verse 12, and this is the beauty of getting so much content on one page, it's right in our left column over here. So we've got, um, look at chapter 4 verse 12, where James says, there is only one lawgiver and judge, 
the one who is able to save and to destroy. So circle the word judge in that in that verse um, and underline the words judge from judge, the one who is able to save and to destroy. So save that, uh, underline that last portion. The one who is able to save and destroy. Now in the left margin, you jot down the words, the judge both saves and destroys. Okay? The judge, and that's a capital J, the judge both saves and destroys. Okay? Now, draw an arrow from 412 uh, that tees into the line between 59 and 512. Okay? So it kind of got a T <laughs> intersection going on there. Okay? Now, this is getting complicated. You can see why you won't want to do this necessarily in your personal Bible. You can. What I do is I, I do this kind of thing, and then I transfer the most important elements of this into my Bible that I read regularly. But this is this is all about fact-finding. So, um, now while we're here, circle the word save, okay, as well as the word destroy. So circle those, those two words, um, and, and write in your, uh, in your margin as well, just jot down the reference one, or chapter one, verses 11 and 21. Now flip back quickly to chapter one, and let's look at those, what James has said there, um, and, uh, in chapter one, verse 11, uh near the end the grass withers uh the wind uh, withers the grass and the flower falls off and the beauty of its appearance is destroyed circle the word destroyed there um and and you can write in the margin beside that just jot down 412 412 and then look across at at uh chapter 1 verse 21 and uh and it says there um save your souls, which is able to save your souls. Okay? And, uh, and jot down there, uh, for, uh, 412 as well. So we've got those two things connected. You'll have to come back to that during the week to kind of make more detailed connections between these, these things. But, um, hey, Miles. Well, go ahead. I'm so sorry. What was the other reference, uh, to Yeah, no problem. Sorry. Besides, I know I moved fast uh, now. Besides 121, what was the first one? Uh, 111. Well, thank you. Yeah, yeah. One eleven is where he talks about the the dis- destruction of something, and 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 you'll and uh, so, and then one twenty one, save your souls. Okay, let's flip back to uh, to look at four six. Okay, I I think I'm just, as I'm, I'm I know I'm trying to start to move really faster. What we're going to do is we are going to pick up this next week because we've got like four minutes left here. There's a little more contextual digging to do, and that's okay. Um, so I'll see if I can get to the end of uh, a couple things here. Let's uh, let's go back to four verse six, um, where the text is in all caps. Okay, so on, in chapter four verse six, uh, at least in this translation, it's all caps because this is a quote. This is a quote. Uh-huh. Okay, and underline the words there. God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Okay, now. Look at five nine where we've been, and uh, and and finding the phrase "Do not complain, brethren." Okay, um, draw a line from that phrase to the words "God is opposed to the proud." So that's the top line in our printout of of verse four 
uh, chapter four, verse six. So do not complain. Connect that to God as opposed to the proud. And now jumping down to five twelve. Okay, in five twelve, where he says, uh, "My brother, do not swear." Okay, and we we had underlined the "do not swear" portion there. Um, connect that uh, up as well to the phrase. Uh, God is opposed to the proud. So we've got both of those uh, phrases going back to this concept of God's opposition to pride. Now, find 5.11, um, where we underline the words, the Lord, I think we underlined, did we? Yes, in the last part of verse, five, verse 11, we said the Lord is full of compassion and merciful. And I want you to draw a line from that and connect it back to the, the last part part of that quote in four six, but but gives grace to the humble. Okay? Alright. So we're connecting that full of compassion and merciful to God's grace to the humble. So I want to put these thoughts together just a little bit in, in closing. So sorry, was there a question or comment? No, that's good. That's good. Okay. Okay. Let's just connect this a little bit in closing. Um why does God oppose the proud? Is it is it because God doesn't love proud people? No. No. <laughs> right. So so uh here's here's the question. Uh can a proud heart accept grace? Uh you know pride is fundamentally the belief that that I deserve something. Uh that I have uh some merit of my own. Yeah. Okay, but but grace by definition is unmerited. Right. Right. It reminds me of what John taught us in John, in his first epistle, chapter 2. The, the three big sins before John were lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> and that, that so, pride really translates into James very nicely, I think. So. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're right, you're right, yeah. So, so if, if God wants to lavish grace on you, and he does, mm-hmm. uh, what has to happen to the pride? Okay. Now that, that that should now we're start things are starting to click. Hopefully, God is opposed to the proud, not because He doesn't like you, but because He loves you, and and you must be humble before you will receive God's God's grace. Um, so in in the margin uh, beside four six, you could write just jot down the, the phrase pride stands in the way of grace. Pride stands in the way of grace. Um, now, as the last, last thing, look down at, uh, chapter 4, verse 10. Chapter 4, verse 10. And he says there, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will exalt you. Underline the whole sentence. Humble yourselves in the, in the sight of the presence of the Lord and he will exalt you. Okay. And draw an arrow from 4-6 down to, down to this verse. Now, um, when we see it as an, as a imperative command like that, humble yourselves, um, that can activate the flesh. But, um, but ask yourself, can you humble yourself? Um, <laughs> uh, no, no. <laughs> the moment that I, I think I've arrived, I clearly have not, right? <laughs> So there's an, there's something interesting in that um, in that expression that we're going to deal with uh, next week. But um, uh, 
the last, the very last thing, sorry, I, keep, I think I keep saying this is the last thing. That's connect, okay. <laughs> connect chapter 5, verse 10, down to uh, 5, verse 15. Okay, the part there where it says the Lord will exalt you, or he will exalt you. I want to connect that phrase to the idea that the Lord will raise him up. The Lord will raise him up. Because it's a very similar phrase there. Um, Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you. And we see down in in verse 15, which is our verses for next week, the Lord will raise him up. So, all right. All right. So let's, um, this is, I know this this is just tons and tons, and this is kind of contextual study the way it goes. Um, But I would encourage you to take this next, uh, throughout this week, if you if you have the time. And just kind of soak your, your mind in some of this as we've drawn some of these things, soak in how these things are, are connected. Um, and, uh, and, um, see what the Lord will, will teach us about that. And we'll come back next week, finish up a little bit of the, uh, contextual things and then get right into our verses and see if we have a better understanding of them. So let's pray. Hey, Miles, Miles, real yeah. quick, real yeah. quick comment. Yeah. Uh, could you, could you also say God resists those that are in the flesh? It gives grace to those that are in the spirit. Well, that's a, yeah. I, I mean, the, the flesh, the flesh just cannot receive. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, um, the, the, I, I guess what I'm, what I'm thinking is God's grace is extended to all men. God's grace is extended to all men, but pride will never receive it. Pride will always barricade and blockade that. So, so it's 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 like it's extended. Um, and, and that's why God doesn't, does not, uh, does not want our pride because it, it refuses to accept his grace, if that makes sense. So. Also, there is, yes. uh, there is the, uh, fact that, uh, people can humble themselves in the flesh, but it's yeah. not a true humility. It's, it's actually pride. Yeah. So, you know, you have to be careful of that, too. You know, humility doesn't come naturally to us. No. We have to depend on God. Or no. Humility. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, I was going to say a lot of us kind of think that we're fairly humble people. Um, but if there's something. <laughs> I'm really proud about that. <laughs> if there's something that will, that will show me my pride, it's, it's a trial. It's a trial. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what that's why this is so connected here. So very connected. So, any other comments? I know we're. No, that's good. Th- yeah, thanks for All doing right. this. Well, yeah, let's 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 really pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this this time. I know it's uh, it's felt a little bit uh, just rushed and crammed, and and Lord, I pray that you would take um, these things and just um, uh, just continue to work in our in our thinking, uh, adjust our thinking to to yours, um, so that we're not bringing our our preconceptions to the text, but we're uh, we're just really uh, learning to understand and and, and see the uh, the big picture here of what's going on. Um, Lord, we thank you that your grace is unlimited, but it's also unmerited. And so long as there is pride in the way, um, we're, we're we're just cutting ourselves off from it. And Lord, we thank you that the trials that you uh, bring about in our lives uh, do humble us in a very uh, genuine way. So we pray that we continue to see that. We'd uh, see that a little bit more next week and, and then begin to connect that with the uh, verses that we're going to 
uh, dig into next week. We just thank you for this time in Jesus name. Amen.